Let's open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And pick it up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the Word of God. If you want to look at verse 13, we'll read that again. It says, We also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. We talked uh, really two weeks about that because such an important thing that the Thessalonians, they, they saw that this message and what Paul was bringing in the scripture, that, that this was from God. It wasn't from men. And we'll see that that kind of plays into the next section we're looking at today. They saw that it, that it was actually the word of God, not just the word of man. And we looked at, at this whole subject that it's God-breathed, that it's given by the Holy Spirit that we can trust it, that we can hold on to it. But yet in our country, and uh, sad to say in our country, we're facing this issue, this problem of biblical illiteracy where, we, where we're knowing less and less about the Bible as a country, as a people, as a church, sad to say. God's Word, we need to know it, we need to really fall in love with it and, and then obey it. So really, one of the last things I left uh, us with, this whole idea of being practical, well, what's, what does that practically mean for each one of us? Do we say, okay, I love the Bible, okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it under my pillow or I'm going to you know, put it on my coffee table so I can look at it because I love it so much. But I think we need to re- get practical. Well, we need to get the Bible in us. We need to get the Word in us. Because it's said here that God is at work in you who believe through the word of God. And and it can't do its work unless we get it in to our hearts and minds. And he will bless us through it. So the challenge is going to be not just this week, not just this month, but the rest of our Christian lives. Are we going to open up God's word? Can we open up his word for 15 minutes a day? Can Can we spare 15 minutes a day to open up his word? And just read it. I'm not even talking about in-depth Bible studies. I'm talking about just read it. Just open the book and read it. Doesn't mean, though, does it, that life is going to be easy? These Thessalonian believers, they saw that it was God's word. They accepted it. But because of their faith in God and in His Word, they faced suffering and they faced persecution, didn't they? That's what we're going to read now, verses 14 through 16. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. And in this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. And the wrath of God has come upon them at last or to the uttermost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we do acknowledge that it is your word. And we pray that you would speak to us through this book, this Bible, the scriptures that you have given to us. As, a, as the human race, you have, you have poured out by your Spirit these writings, these words that, that we might learn and grow and follow you. 
So open our hearts and minds this morning that we could hear what you would say to us, Lord, each one of us individually and as a church in Jesus' name. These things that had happened to the Thessalonians, they were not new. They had been happening already, right? They'd been happening in Judea, back in Israel. And that's what Paul is talking about here. You became imitators of God's churches in Judea. What had happened before already. But, but again, Paul said, you know, I, I, I'm just willing to do whatever it takes to follow and to bring that message to other people, even though it might cost something. And it did cost those people back there in Judea. You just have to read the book of Acts and you begin to see that people... People's lives, they lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because of their faith. Throughout the history of the church, in the book of Revelation, John says this. He says that I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John the Apostle, his brother, had already been martyred, right? John the Apostle was exiled to an island by himself. God had plans for it, of course. He gave us the book of Revelation through that time where he was put aside. But he was, because of the word of God, he was, he was persecuted. He was put aside. He, was, he had to go through that suffering. Later in the book of Revelation, it says that when the fifth seal was opened, he says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. You say, well, that's kind of heavy stuff, isn't it? Come on, Rich, we need some lighter stuff today. Well, I'm just reading from the Bible here, right? I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and the Bible says that that's what happens. We'll talk about the U.S. In a, in a couple minutes, but let's think about this idea of persecution. Typically, there's a Sunday in November they call, you know, pray for the persecuted church Sunday, but we're just talking about it here because this is what our passage is looking at. Persecution that they faced. But they say that more Christians have been killed during the 20th century than all the previous 19 centuries combined. Did you know that? Did you, did, you, did you catch that? In the 20th century, the, the century that just ended, more Christians have been killed than all the 19 centuries combined. Previous 19th century. That's insane. And do we know about that? Do, do we even have a clue about that? We kind of get little clues here and there. But someone wrote this from the beginnings of Christendom. Believers have been persecuted from their faith, faith from the first century apostles who sat at the feet of Jesus to those in the 21st century who faith, faithfully proclaimed Jesus as Lord. Many have fallen at the hands of those who offended, who are offended by the gospel. It's happening. It's happening today around the world. It's happening while we're here today in countries like Iran and India and Pakistan, China, Nigeria, North Korea, Sudan, where, where they are, their property is destroyed, harassment, impris imprisonment, people are being killed for their faith. This is coming from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at the, at the South 
Southern Baptist Convention, the things that they are uh, studying. They study these things. They say, what are the persecuted asking from us? Our prayers. But get this, our prayers on behalf of those who torment them. Did you catch that? Not prayers for me, not prayers for us, prayer for those people that are, that are torturing, that are tormenting. That's, that is something. It says their prayer is that the hearts of their attackers will be opened to the gospel. They are not asking for relief from their physical suffering, but that those who are in spiritual darkness will find the light. This is happening today. This is happening today all around the world. Uh, someone else said that, that, there, that, that persecution to Christians are hap- is happening in 131 countries out of the 197 countries, roughly, of the world. 131 out of 197, that is a lot, is it not? How much do we know about that? We see it here, back here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. The backdrop is that Paul went to Thessalonica. We looked at that, and it said the Jews were jealous, and so they stirred up this riot, and where people around them were attacking them, they formed a mob. They, they went to get Paul and Silas to bring them out to the crowd. All kinds of stuff happened. because Why? Because they were speaking the message of Jesus Christ and new life. They said that that they became examples. They saw it, and they had an example of the believers back in Judea. Earlier in the book of Thessalonians, it says that they were examples, but they also were following examples. That's kind of a good principle. We need to be examples, but we also need to follow good examples. I've heard it said, you know, we we need to be mentoring someone, and we need to be mentored by someone at the same time. We always need to be taking in. But people are watching. But notice he says there, you suffered in the middle of verse 14. You suffered from your own countrymen. The same thing those churches suffered. You suffered. It was from their own people, instigated by the Jews. Yes, but the persecution was not from some outside group. It was from their very own people they were, they were, they were suffering. At the hands of their, their own fellow citizens. And many times... Many times, it comes from the authorities and from the governments. Many times from the governments themselves. Well, can't you always trust the government? Well, what kind of question is that? (laughs) But the very own governments persecuting? Some of you are thinking, well, I'm thinking about the U.S. right now. You know, the, the pilgrims who came here to this country, they came to escape persecution from the king. King James, who gave us the King James Bible. And the reason he authorized that version was so that he could control the church. You have to have my version, no other version. Interesting things, you read that, you can read about that. Do a Google Google search. The top ten countries that, uh, according to Open Doors... Top 10 countries, top 12 I have here, North Korea, number one. Saudi Arabia, one of our good buddies, right? Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, the Maldives, Mali, Iran, Yemen, Eritrea, Syria, 
who jumped from 36th to 11th this year because of what's going on right now. 36th to 11th. And then Sudan's right up there. That's always up there at the top. They, they estimate that over 100,000 people are dying every year for their faith. 100,000 people. That's like the whole city of Providence dying for their faith every single year. Are we even aware of this fact? We have really no clue. The National Review Online says the gravest under-publicized atrocity in the world is the persecution of Christians. You do not hear about this in the news. It said a, 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 a comprehensive Pew Forum found that Christians are persecuted in 131 countries out of 197 countries. It's happening all over the world. This picture that we have up here, this, this magazine, The Voice of the Martyrs, says serving the persecuted church since 1967. But you see, do any of you know what that is? You know what that is on the tray? No, those are communion cups, glass communion cups that were burned when they burned their building down that melted in the fire. Is that radical? They, you know, buildings, people... Our Christian churches are being burned down, and that was what was left after a fire. Glass communion cups. And that's why they say, will you drink of this cup? Will you drink of this cup? In the United States, do we face any persecution? We are not on the list of the top 50. I don't even know if we would be on the list of the 131, to be honest with you. Mostly what we face here in this country would be called ridicule. I would not include ridicule in the sense of what persecution is. It doesn't feel good when someone calls you a Jesus freak. I understand that. When they think that you're overboard, that you've gone too far, that you're, you're a little bit nuts, you're insane. Can't you just go to church, you know, for a half hour a week and call it, you know, call it good? Isn't that enough? Why do you have to, like, tell me about it? I, you know, I go to church. I, I, I don't need to hear any more about this. But, but, but Jesus Christ says, I want all of you. I talked in uh, chapel the other day, and, and uh, how much does it cost to follow Jesus? It costs everything. And a little girl came up to me afterwards and says, does that mean all the money we have? I said, no, not exactly. It means your whole life. It might include all your money, but it means everything to follow after Jesus Christ. So here in the U.S., uh, I don't think it's that bad, but I have to say the troubles are, are increasing. They are increasing. The World News Today, well, says this, that a report by the Liberty Institute and the Family Research Council, they say that it's not just the ACLU, but, but also government agencies around the U.S. are trying to push Christian expression out the door. Christian expression out the door. So government, from government, from schools to social programs, and they say the government is, is the ringleader. And if you do a little research on that, you'll see that it's true. Starting about uh, how many years ago when they said no more Bibles in the school, 
No more prayer in school. Get that stuff out of here. We don't need any of that stuff. Not knowing that these are the foundations of our very society, that, that the Scripture says what, when the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? What are we going to do when all this stuff is kicked out of here? We're going we're to crash and we're going to burn. The removing of Scripture, removing of prayer. We, we know it all too well here in, in, in our own state, right? Down in Cranston, right? They had a prayer banner on the wall for years and years and years. It didn't even mention Jesus' name. But because it was a prayer and it said Lord or God, we don't want that. That offends me. I don't want that there. Take it down. They took it down. Restrictions on students, you, you can read about it. You can't pray over your food while you're eating lunch. No, you can't do that. Christian college or, or Christians, Christian groups on college campuses where they say, we, you know, you can't have that Christian group anymore. We can have all these other weird groups and you can we're going to sanction all those but christian groups oh no you can't have that will it get worse in our country it looks that way to me this thing about hate speech if you're going to quote a scripture that might go against some group that is gets angry at you 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 in canada right now it, it's a huge that's just across the border now that's a that's a, a western nation like our own hate speech you say anything that you might even be quoting scripture word for word. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15 and see what Jesus said about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is so that we can pray for people in other places, but maybe it's to prepare us. I don't know. I'm hearing the, you know, the undercurrent of this from other churches and other pastors and like things that are happening. It's happening already to, to businesses where they're being, they can't hold to their Christian faith. They're forced to do this and to do that. But look at John chapter 15, verse 20. Actually, let's look at verse 18 through 21. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. And they will treat you this way because of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. They will treat you this way because of my name. But they do not know the one who sent me. We shouldn't be surprised if it happens. I think the reason that we are surprised is because we've had it so good in our country for so long. And the reason is, as people do not realize, because we were built upon Christian liberty. And the foundations were from Scripture and the, and the moral uh, uh, foundation that we had you know, from the very beginning. So we knock all that out and don't be surprised. Paul told Timothy, he said that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you want to live a godly life, then, then this is part of what could happen. This is part, part of what will happen. They killed the Lord Jesus. He says they, 
They persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. They killed Jesus. He was handed over, it says in Acts, though, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Back in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, they talked about the fact that the Jews, you know, put Jesus to death, but, you know, it was them, and they, they instigated, they were at the very heart of this whole thing, but, but when you look at the big picture, it wasn't just the Jews who put Jesus to death. It was all of us. It was the human race that put Jesus to death. It was you, it was me, my sin, your sin, that he, by the grace of God, would taste death for everyone. It was all of us that put him to death. And so now we stand up for him and we begin to face these kinds of things. It says here that the prophets were killed. Jesus was killed. The prophets were killed. Jesus said that himself, didn't he? That, that blessed are those who are persecuted in the Beatitudes. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Turn, turn with me. I want you to see where that is. Matthew chapter 5. It's, it's, these are some of the most incredible passages there in the Sermon on the Mount. The very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He starts off like that. Blessed are all, all these things. And, and how blessed, how happy are you if these are your attitudes. That's why they call them the Beatitudes. But look at verse 10, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the kingdom of earth. It's not, what, it's not here. It's the kingdom of heaven, he said. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Why? Because of your faith. Not because you're an idiot. Not because you're a jerk. Not because you've done something stupid. But for your faith in Jesus Christ that, that you have decided i have decided to follow jesus no turning back and, and that affects my faith affects the decisions i make the decisions i make at work the decisions i make in you know in my dealings with people on a daily basis in the in the human race at least they should if i'm no different than anybody else as we read that passage in john 15 if i'm you know of the world and i'm, I'm just like everybody else then then there's no problem here don't worry, you will not have to face anything. But if you say, no, I can't do that because I believe in Jesus Christ and I follow what God's word says and God's word says that I really shouldn't do that. So I'm not going to do that. You're going to be insulted. They're going to say, well, what's wrong with you? Don't you, don't you keep up with the times? Don't you realize that, that we all do that? I'm a Christian and I do that. Have you ever heard that before? Well, I can't do that. Well, why? Because I'm a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian too. We all do that. We all do that. God help us. 
killed the prophets the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You say, well, this really doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does apply to you. It's part of God's word. Every part of God's word applies to us. And we do not know, as I said, what is down the pike, what's coming here even in our country. But we can at least have a heart for those around the world that are suffering because of their faith in Jesus Christ. 100,000 a year dying. How about Matthew chapter 21? Turn there. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 33. The prophets were killed. He says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers who went away on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. And last of all, he sent his son. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. They replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop of the harvest time. This is heavy stuff. Whoa, can't we talk about happy stuff? How about next week we talk about happy? Maybe Fidel will bring a message next week about happy, happy, happy. But actually the word blessed that we read there in the Beatitudes means, oh, how happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, how happy are you when people insult you? Because, you? because you belong to Him. Because you belong to Him. Because you and I are His. And if He faced it, the servant isn't greater than the master. The parable of the tenants. That's what he said back in 1 Thessalonians. They drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to all men. And, and, and the fruit of it will come. The fruit of it will come. You, you, you kind of have to look at this. You, you see, those that are doing the persecution, persecution are going to face these things that he's talking about here. But does that mean that, that Jesus never had a heart for those? He had a heart for those. Paul the Apostle had a heart. He says, I would rather myself be you know, accursed that my people, the Jews, would come to know Jesus Christ as Messiah. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He had a heart for them. He wanted to see them. The Bible says that that God desires that all men be saved. He said, but they weren't willing. They, they rejected him. They rejected him. Go back to 1 Thessalonians. They didn't just reject him for themselves. And this is kind of what we kind of see happening in our society, in our country. They didn't reject, just reject it for themselves. 
But look at verse 16, in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. Not only did they reject it for themselves, but they wanted to stop it from going to anyone else. Not only am I offended by it, but I do not want anyone else to hear that message either. The cross that's up on the hill at Mount Soledad, I don't like to look at that. Well, look the other way. Well, I don't want anybody else to see that cross. Even though the majority of the population have voted to keep that cross there, I don't want anybody else to see it. Bad enough to reject for themselves, but try to stop others. Jesus got all over those religious leaders for this. He said, woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourself have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. You haven't entered, and you've also trying to stop others. And that's what they were doing there. And that's what I think we, we kind of see pictures of that in our government. We don't want that in there. We don't want that to spread. You keep that to yourself in your own house, in your own private. Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Wow. That's heavy stuff. But it says here in 1 Thessalonians, there's going to be judgment. Doesn't it say that? In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit, verse 16. And the wrath of God has come upon them at the last. They heap up their sins to the limit. And you say, is there mercy for them? Is there hope for them? Well, keep in mind, the one who's writing these verses was one of those people, right? He was one of those who persecuted, who took those and had people imprisoned because of their faith in Jesus Christ. He thought he was serving God. Here he's saying, no, I wasn't serving God. I was displeasing God. I wasn't pleasing God. I was displeasing God. And they are displeasing God. And and we need to know, they need to know that this is not the right thing to do. They're heaping up their sins to the limit. Some say this kind of means to the tipping point. The point of no return. Say, well, when did that happen? If if he's speaking about the Jews here, is it something that already happened? Some say, well, maybe that is what happened in AD 70 when Jerusalem was just wiped out, the temple destroyed. Never been rebuilt since. Maybe it's Romans chapter 1 where it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the, tr- the truth by their wickedness. Maybe it's what Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Just, just being in that place of rejecting Jesus Christ. The way is always open, though. The way to return. Believe in, the, in Jesus Christ, and you will have eternal life. And, and God's wrath will not Come upon you. Maybe it's the the wrath of the great tribulation that's yet to come. You know, you're talking about all this stuff. You know, there's these are some key words in this passage here. But but I think in some places these are kind of off-limit words. No, you don't want to talk about suffering. No. Not at church. We want to talk about being healthy, 
wealthy, wise, and happy, right? No suffering. I don't want to hear about suffering. Well, then, like, there goes like a quarter of the Bible. Out. Cut it out. We don't want to hear about persecution. Well, kind of like from day one all the way to the end of Revelation. Can you think of somebody persecuted in like the opening chapters of Genesis? Some guy kills his brother. Why? Because he had an offering. He, 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 didn't, he, he was persecuted for his, his relationship with the Almighty God. Displeasing God, we don't want to hear about that. Speaking to other people, no, just keep it to yourself. We don't really want to hear about that. Well, how are they going to know? Paul says here, they were being kept from speaking to the Gentiles that they were making efforts to. Of course, Paul didn't really listen to them. He didn't stop. And we're thankful that he didn't stop because that's why you and I are here today. There are people, there are men and women like him who said, I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the leaders say. Uh, This is too good a news to be kept to myself. I wouldn't be here today if if friends and people didn't share with me about Jesus Christ. Listen, there's there's a man named Jesus Christ and he died on the cross for you, for your sins. And I was saved through that message. You don't want to talk about a need to be saved. Well, we're all going to be saved, aren't we? Don't talk. Don't go there. Don't talk about that. These are the no-no words. Sin, Satan, hell. Don't talk about those words in church. Well, if you can't talk about them in church, where can you talk about these things? It's in the Bible, right? Don't talk about sin. Don't use that word. No, no, no. You know what, if you don't talk about sin, if we don't know what sin is, we won't ever accept Jesus Christ. We won't ever have eternal life because we, we, we won't even know that we need a Savior if we don't know that we're sinners. We don't know what sin is. We, are, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior, and His name is Jesus, and He died for my sins. Don't talk about that. And lastly, don't talk about the wrath of God. No, just talk about the love of God. You know, I love the love of God too. I read it in my reading this morning in the, in the Psalms, you know, the love of God. Is, it says the love of God was better than life. The love of God is better than anything else. But if you read the Bible, you have to see that God isn't just love. God is a lot of things and there's a lot of facets to his, his character, to his personality, to who he is. The attributes of God, we call them. And one of them is that, 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 that he, there is a, a just and holy wrath, a, a just and holy anger, and it's against sin. It's against sin. And that's, again, why we need a Savior. So let's wrap this up here so we can move on to the happy suffering and persecution. It's a reality today. What can we do? We can Number one, we can be informed and, and kind of open our eyes and, and see that it's going on around the world. It is going on around the world. We can pray for them. Maybe we can help with some kind of financial assistance in some ways. But if it's us, we can persevere too and we can have faith and trust in God. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians. 
Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll close with those verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. He says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. Perseverance and faith. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you as well, who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen. Notice this. This will happen when? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. That's incredible. Some of it's not, we're not going to get it all. It's not all going to come together for us here. But in heaven, and when Jesus returns, it's, he says, this is, this is what's going to happen. God is just. God is just. But we can't, we can't extract the payment. Let him take care of it. We just got to persevere and trust. That's what he wants from us. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us your word. It is the word of God, not the word of men. And, and we, we thank you that people like the Thessalonians are willing to, to suffer persecution because of their trust in you and their trust in the word of God that you had given them. Father, um, we thank you for... Uh, the example of, of all those around the world in these countries that are, that are being persecuted for just because they're believers in Jesus Christ. We pray that you'd help them and, and give them strength and perseverance and faith, but we, as they have asked, we pray for their persecutors, Lord, that, they would, that their hearts would be softened to see, as Paul's heart was softened to see, that Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the Savior of the world. Father God, we, we pray for in our country, we pray that you would, I don't know, somehow turn back, turn us back, Lord, revival. Turn us back to you, Lord, and the foundations. God, I, I just sometimes think it, it can never happen. It's just too far, too far gone, but nothing is impossible with you. So we pray, Lord, that our country would would turn back to you and, and fall upon our knees and, and call out to you to have mercy on us. I pray for our own personal lives, Lord, and, and maybe uh, some here are even facing some kind of persecution for their stand, for their faith. Pray that you give them the perseverance and, and help them to trust, but also for those that are persecuting them you would have mercy on them and, and open their hearts and eyes and lives to you. And finally, I pray for any here that maybe do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, that today is a day that you can open your heart and your life to him and you can invite him in and you would have eternal life. Yes, there is a cost and it may cost you, but he gave his all for you. He gave everything for you. He gave his life for you to give you something that you could not earn, that you could not uh, get on your own, which is eternal life in heaven forever and ever, that he gave it as a gift. It's all we have to do is trust him and, 
and open our hearts and lives to him. And you can do that today, here now. Don't leave this place without opening your heart to Jesus. Simply pray and say, Jesus, I, I come. I come to you and, I, and I, I am a sinner. I know it, but I need help. And I need, I, need only, I need what only you can give, that eternal life, that hope that comes from heaven. I cast all my cares on you because you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?